1: Good morning.
2: Good morning. Good morning. I mean, do you to wish me a good morning when you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not?
1: Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of
3: God! Psst, it is I, Crec. <laughs> onions? <laughs> you will buy my onions? <laughs>
4: There was never going to be any other way to start the show than with that music. <laughs> does it make you want breadsticks and garlic butter like it makes me?
3: I just—I always want bread, <laughs> breadsticks. And-
0: yeah, bread makes you fat.
3: Yes, yes, it does.
0: Apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was Scott Pilgrim reference. <laughs>
3: I thought it was just a me reference. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, that's just fact. <laughs> I just, it's so early in the show for, for personal digs, but okay. Uh,
4: Sam, Ben's already given us his best French accent. Do you want to give us yours? Oh,
0: God. Um, what do I say? What's French? Oui, Ha, ha. Frenchy.
4: So obviously we're on some kind of French kick this week. Uh, naturally, we're going to be discussing those benchmark French films American Werewolf in Paris and French Vampire in America. Isn't that right, Ben?
3: Yes. <laughs> yes. It, but anything to do with uh, American movies that have been co-opted yes. and <laughs> set in France or with French people.
4: But those two French movies were not uh, any signal for people to switch off. So make sure you all stick with us. <laughs> this is Good Movie Monday. They're both,
3: that's what, they're both John Landis related. <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> they're John Landis related. Because he did... Innocent blood, and American wealth in London. Correct, but he didn't do American wealth in Paris. But he's connected. Are we done? Just explain my own references.
0: Facts, facts with Ben. Yeah.
3: Well, this <laughs> like I, I've, I've repeatedly, I repeatedly said we should retitle the show "Old Man Trying to Remember Things."
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true.
4: All
3: right, fourth time's a
4: charm. This is Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast presented by FakeShemp.net. Home of the Nerdy Cinematic Rambling. My name is Glenn Cochran. I like croissants and Ben Helwig is here. He likes a good flan. I like the word flan. Oh, now you're quiet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I thought by your facial expression, you didn't want me to speak anymore.
4: <laughs> and returning to the mic is our show favorite, Samantha Housen, who likes champagne or champagne. Nah, I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, say
3: th-
0: champagne. 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 Champagne's for my uh, real friends, and no, damn it. What's that? Say? <laughs>
4: Another one bites dust. <laughs> Well, it's great to have you back, Sam. I'm excited. and Thank you. Obviously, we are all about French cinema this week because the film Amelie turns 20. And to celebrate that, we're going to take a look at some of our personal favourite French films. And furthermore, I'm particularly excited because we have a rare conversation with the renowned French filmmaker Jean-Pierre Junot, who not only directed Amelie, but is responsible for movies like Delicatessen, City of Lost Children. Very long engagement and Alien Resurrection, amongst others. So make sure you hang around because that's coming up. Also on the show, we have our weekly segments from Jared Garn, Guillermo Troncosso, Adam Ross, and the guys from Bonehead Weekly, as well as a French flavoured flashback from Chloe. Baguettes, oh,
2: oh. Mm, baguettes, baguettes. Baguette.
4: <laughs> Aside from the films that we're recommending today, are there any that immediately come to your mind when you think of French cinema?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I was thinking I was gonna wait and see how long we could keep that silence going
0: I don't like long silences I just can't handle them so if you do that again (laughs) I will probably say the same thing yes um (laughs) I think actually you know being like of of that era of going through film school Jean-Pierre Jeunet was just, and, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, because I've heard it so many different yeah, ways. Yeah, Jean-Pierre um, Yeah. Okay, good. He's He was just, he was actually quite an inspiration for me because I, I wanted to go into production design and art direction. And so whenever I think of French films, I think of him immediately. And then I think of Agnes Verder, which um, again, with my, australian accent i butcher but <laughs> she she was just incredible as a as a director and a, a documentarian mm-hmm. as well as a filmmaker um or fictional filmmaker yeah so that's what i think of what
4: about you Benzer?
0: uh well look i
3: mean you've got the classics all of the kind of the new wave guys uh specifically like, like i really like uh, melville is, is one of my kind of favorite directors with the samurai and um uh le cercle rouge mm-hmm. and and the army of shadows and stuff like that and um you guys like Jacques demi who did um umbrellas of Cherbourg and those young girls of Rochefort and all those kind of like those kind of classic french movies trafo who did like a, this who i've only actually watched one trufo film and it's i think on imdb it's called confidentially they named they called it Confidentially yours but I picked up the dvd, locally and it's called let it be sunday so uh-huh. it's always a bit hard to find and that was actually one of his i think maybe his last film is made in the 80s um but that's a great kind of noir film like a, the french kind the french noir kind of movement are great like and you know all of the breathless and um 400
0: blows 400
3: blows a band yeah. apart jewels and Jim, all of that um all that sort of stuff and then there's kind of moving into the into the kind of more modern stuff with uh, a lot of the kind of broader big big movies like i mean i think that kind of they i don't know i not want to say they got started with like Lupus on but he is like one of the big yeah. kind of um guys who, who in it but then you know they've like all of these movies like it's hard to believe that there is an entire film industry seemingly as big as hollywood that we only get a tiny fraction mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. um Like, when I I was over there uh, 10 years ago now, like, I found, like, big budget kind of versions of Lucky Luke and uh, Is No Good and, like, I mean, we've got all the live-action asterisks and stuff, but I had no idea that this stuff was... Mm It was being made.
4: Absolutely. We just never,
3: we just don't get them. Well, it's clichéd and all, but I do
4: definitely go to Luc Besson when I think of French cinema. It's sort of my knee-jerk reaction. And The Big Blue, which I've spoken to you two about before, is the one that always comes to mind. It's it's a movie that's three hours long about rivaled um, free divers that fall in love with the same woman. And it's a glorious film. I was actually going to choose it as one of my recommendations on this show, but I remembered it's all in English. Like, even though it's a French production, it's in English. So yeah. I felt like that was a bit of a cheat. and But that introduced me to Luc Besson.
3: That's one of the few Basson movies I haven't seen. Right. And the reason I haven't seen it is because every time I, I go to watch it, I read the synopsis and I'm like, is this going to be three hours of two guys just holding their breath? <laughs> yes, it is.
4: It totally <laughs> is. <laughs> but it's completely riveting. It, it's yeah, it's a fantastic film. But I also think of um the Three Colors trilogy is the big one, but Amor, mm-hmm. recently Amour was a fantastic one. But my mind also goes straight to like Roger Avery's Killing Zoe. You know, the tarantino produced film that's all mm. shot in america it's an american production but it's set in paris and it's mostly in french so
3: yeah, yeah as it was at jean hughes anglade is in it i think yeah there's it, like Being it's got a great sweaty.
4: yeah julie depley you know it's got a great cast
3: delphi but yeah sure
4: oh, fuck whatever <laughs> <laughs> blame it on the beers mate <laughs> <laughs> but um like French cinema or cinema in general is steeped in French history because, you know, you had the Lumiere brothers and you had, was um, it, George Méliès and Alice Guy Blaché. Like, it's just such a textured, rich history of cinema that so few people know about. But um,
0: It's crazy because, like, cinema, it feels like cinema actually, like, really begun... Yeah. In France. And I feel like France.
4: to know cinema history, you kind of got to know French cinema history. But yeah. like p- people listening can relax because we're not going to do that to them. Instead, we're going to just be simpletons and talk about some personal favourites. So. Mm. <laughs> but before we do that, let's uh, hand it over to Jarrett to run through what's been released this week on DVD, just in case, you know, you might want to pick something up yourself. Yeah.
5: Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now I'm gonna get straight into it this week as there are far too many releases. And I start with arguably the biggest release of the week and that is Fast and Furious 9. It's getting released by Universal Sony and it's coming out on 4K, Blu-ray and DVD. All three SKUs have the theatrical and director's cut on them. I do find it ironic that there is a director's cut of Fast and Furious 9. An extended cut, sure, I could understand because it's just another way to market the same movie to people that have already seen the movie giving them hope that they're gonna see a little bit more. But a director's cut implies that director Justin Lin's vision for the ninth film in this franchise was somehow compromised by the studio and now we're finally going to see what he wanted us to see. In any case, the 4K and Blu-ray do have special features. They include an audio commentary, six featurettes and a gag reel, and the 4K does have Dolby Atmos on it as well. Then also from Universal Sony from the Paramount catalog is Star Trek, the original four movie collection. I have talked about this one before in the news, so I won't talk about it too much. All I'll say is that Paramount have opted not to include the Blu-rays in this set, which means you won't get all the special features. bit disappointing, but look, let's face it, if you're a Trekkie, you probably already own the previous Blu-ray box set, and you'd be holding on to it because it's got all those other movies that aren't in this box set anyway. Then from Roadshow, they're releasing Conjuring 3 The Devil Made Me Do It. Now, this is coming out on 4K Blu-ray and DVD and it's light on in the special features department there's only 3 featurettes and a motion comic the 4K does have dolby atmos so there's that then moving on to madman they're releasing the perfect gift for your old man this fathers day uh yeah you know forget that fucking bunnings voucher get him this movie. Get him the father. It'll depress the living shit out of him. It's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. It is a beautiful film. It is very depressing though also. Uh, Of course, it stars Anthony Hopkins. He picked the Oscar up for this film this year and former Oscar winner Olivia Colman. Then also from Madman from the icon catalogue comes Amelie and it's coming out again on Blu-ray. However, this time for its 20th anniversary with an all new restoration. Moving on to Umbrella, they're launching a brand new line called Sensual Cinema. That cinema with an S. It puts the sin back into cinema and their launch title is Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls. So this has been out on Blu-ray before, but this time around they're doing a slip cover and they're loading it with special features, including the documentary You Don't Know Me, that Jeffrey McHale's docker played Myth. Uh, I think, was it 2019? Yeah, it would have been, because obviously it was before the pandemic. Uh, It's also got some other special features on there, stuff that's been on the previous release plus extra stuff, including Paul Verhoeven's um, Razzie acceptance speech, which is pretty funny. You can see that on YouTube anyway, if you want to have a look at it. Uh, Then also from Umbrella is Turkey Shoot. It's coming out on Blu-ray and it's part of their Osploitation Classics line, which means yes, you will get a slipcover with this. It ports all the legacy special features from the previous Umbrella release plus, It features an all-new commentary with producer Anthony Ganane and Mark Hartley. Also, it includes the soundtrack as a bonus, which is pretty damn cool. Then the last release I'll mention from Umbrella is The Big Steal from Nadia Tass. Now, this has a 4K restoration. It ports over all the legacy special features from the DVD. And it also includes an all-new commentary track with David Parker, moderated by film buffs Paul Harris. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Until next time, stay physical.
4: Hey Sam, what Jared didn't mention is that Johnny Depp's Minamata is coming out on D V D this week. And that's one you reviewed for us at Fateshift.net. Yes. That was all thumbs up from you.
0: I did. Yeah, I really liked it. I really liked it. I thought the story was engaging and uh Johnny Depp was great as usual. And yeah, I really loved it. So it's it's worth worth picking up.
4: Cool. It's one of those ones that's just gonna get lost in the fold because of all of his personal <laughs> troubles and shit that's I know, going
0: on. Which sucks, but yeah. But nat-
4: naturally, the most exciting release for me uh, of the year, I think, is probably the Big steal onto Blu-ray. Which, um, if there's if there's a better homegrown rom-com, I haven't seen it. Like it's just a marvelous <laughs> film. We- we've spoken about it ad nauseum on the show. But are you excited about that one, Ben? I am.
3: I am indeed. Uh, I'm. I'm actually. I'm just a bit disappointed that I had nothing to do with the release.
4: Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> I didn't
3: get to. I didn't get to work on it at all.
4: That is a shame. If 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 anyone's never seen or heard of the Big steal, Jesus Christ, like track it down, like, get this Blu-ray. It's 1990, Ben Mendelssohn, Claudia Carvin, not to mention Damon Harriman, and iconically Melbourne. It's clever, it's hilarious. I think it's one of the most charming films. It uh, definitely yeah, holds yeah.
3: up. It definitely holds up. And it's in... Steve Bisley. Steve Bisley oh. is one of the great movie villains in this film, and he is <laughs> hilarious.
4: <laughs> oh, I don't even think you could get away with his character in today's world.
3: No. <laughs> not at all. And his character is a total 80s throwback. Like, I mean, it is... It is an early '90s film, so it kind of still is on that cusp of the '80s. But he's his character—he's from his hair to his shiny grey suit—is he's, he's 100% '80s, and he's awesome.
4: Gordon Farkas.
3: Yeah, Gordon Farkas. That's right. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but anyway, thank you to Jarrett, the um, the Ultra HD Dolby Atmos Kaiser. I think that's what we'll have to dub him. Uh, and Jarrett has been with FakeShemp.net since the start, and um, he comes to the show via Monster Pictures. So thanks to him.
2: I'm French. Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king?
4: But enough uh, fiddle farting around. Let's um let's recommend some French movies.
0: <laughs> oh, I liked that.
4: Ben, what uh what Luke Besson beauty have you come up with first? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I actually I actually shied away from um talking about any of those kind of big classics. I figured people have either heard of them or they should just they should have heard of them. Okay. And it's good. You're I okay. thought
4: you were going in the same direction you went last week, which I was hoping you wouldn't.
3: What was the direction <laughs> I went last week?
4: Never mind. Off you go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Where I just talk, uh, what was last week's show? <laughs> we,
4: I put a disclaimer at the end. Here's a phone number you can call. Anyway.
3: Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. Maybe. uh, uh No. <laughs> So I went with, I actually, um, I, I, which I, I do every once in a while, I jumped on SBS On Demand and I kind of went through the films there because I find that SBS, SBS is great because a lot of films that don't get picked up for distribution here by Madman or Umbrella or whoever or any of the major studios still manage to find their way, or if you miss them at a film festival, still manage to find their way on SBS On Demand or SBS and it's a great way to see films, though you have to kind of get in and see them before they they disappear. Good thing about SBS is they do tell you when the films are going off. So you know when you have to watch them by. But um, I found this this great film that I thoroughly enjoyed called The Mystery of Henry Pick from 2019. And it's directed by Remy Bez and Con. It's the best. Uh...
4: Do it with an accent. Yeah. It sounds sounds right when you do it with an accent.
3: Besoncon, Besoncon. Yeah, he's got a he's yeah. got a, the c the c and it has a little squiggle at the bottom. I don't know what that means. I know what the tones at the top mean, but when I did year eight and nine French, they didn't cover the little squiggle at the Mate, bottom.
4: It means oh. put an accent on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> as simple as that. It.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it's it's a I don't know. It's a like a kind of comedy drama kind of romance like it's just a uh, kind of um I just call it it's just a film in general okay like it's <laughs> <Excellent. defies> genre <laughs> it's just a film but it's the show yeah <laughs> but it is it's great and it's all about this um this uh young uh female editor um discovers uh this masterpiece this manuscript in a library in the country that um is a a repository of unpublished or rejected um, book manuscripts and uh, the book is written by this uh, guy called henry pick who prior to writing this book was a pizza chef in Brittany, who uh had never written anything and and before or since and this book becomes this kind of big sensation and this uh, uh literary critic this tv literary critic uh, Jean-Michel Rouchet, played by Fabrice uh, Lucchini, he doesn't buy it. He thinks there's something going on. And he actually he kind of goes on this rant on his TV show. And uh, because of it, he gets fired. So he has literally, and then at the same time, his wife dumps him. So he, and he, so his whole life has kind of gone to pot. He gets kicked out of his house, everything. So he has nothing to do, but dig into the, the true story of Henry Pick. So he um, he goes to the country meets the the guy's daughter the guy's family and kind of rubs them the wrong way and he just investigates. And I don't want to give any more away anyway any more away of the plot because that's it's part of the fun. But it is um yeah it's a, it's just a it's a really good kind of uh, dramedy. Cool.
4: Well, Sam, I hope your next one is a film.
0: Yes. It's definitely a film. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> um. Yeah, I did. I'm that. That sounded really great, Ben. By the way. Um, Don't patronize me. No, no, no. no. I, I honestly.
3: <laughs> he looks a little bit deflated.
4: I,
0: <laughs> I honestly, when you were talking about, it, I was like, oh, I really have to say that because it reminds me of like other films that. Uh, what's that one where the (laughs) no (laughs) the guy that that um, escapes and he's like 100 years old or something oh I can't remember the name of it but it it doesn't matter Um, I will definitely watch that Um, yeah so my first film I actually watched I watched three French films this week which I haven't seen before
4: were they red white and blue
0: (laughs) no (laughs) um I they're all on Netflix actually if anyone's interested but uh the first one and my and the most notable one I think out of all three was Get In which is was made in 2019 or released in 2019 and um it's it's a really interesting film that's kind of like do you know funny games Mm -hmm. have you seen Mm -hmm. funny yeah yeah I I actually thought of that like originally but it's Belgium. I think it's Belgium and no Austrian, Austrian and French, combined. But I think it's actually an Austrian film, which means I thought I can't choose it. <laughs> but um, I really love that film. And then the American remade it at some point with um, no same and...
4: director remade same it same
3: guy.
0: Oh, same guy, right? Yeah.
3: Haneky did both versions. Yeah. Theme for theme.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely have seen them both, but. Um, yeah so it's kind of like funny games and it's like the strangers on and and kind of a bit of the purge as well just at the end of the film but it's it's actually a really cool horror film horror thriller which Mm -hmm. has so much meaning behind it which is what I love about French films they just they they tend to have such depth and you can take a lot away from their films but they're basically, this film is basically about a family that goes away on a vacation for two months and they uh, they come home and the people looking after their home basically don't let them in. And because of a contract that they signed, the people who were looking after the home now legally are allowed to stay in their home. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they're squatters, basically. It's um, a
4: great premise. I'm going to try
1: that
0: here. Yeah, yeah, and it's really cool. It's like terrifying at the same time, but the main character which is mostly about the husband, um he he feels really kind of attacked by society in a way because he's not being a man enough. uh quotation marks to To actually take back what was his, and and yeah, it's such it's a really good film. It's on Netflix. I, I highly recommend it.
4: No, it does sound very good. That's um, that's mm. kind of like a little bit of the motive that was running through nobody. The Bob Oderkirk film, yeah, mm. whether he was man enough,
3: be a man, <laughs> as That's
4: how they say French. Speaking of someone that's probably too much man, is uh, Gamo. <laughs> Let's throw it <laughs>
6: How's it going everybody? It's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. As usual, I'm here to chat a little bit about what we've covered on the website in the past week kicking off with a new film for christian bale that could offer him quite the role the oscar winner has signed up to star in a drama that will tell the true story of a preacher who became a big time drug dealer the project is based on the vanity fair article the church of living dangerously the screenplay adaptation is coming from screenwriter charles randolph who earned an oscar for the big short and his credits include love and other drugs the interpreter and bombshell the church of living dangerously will tell the true story of john lee bishop who went from a troubled upbringing to becoming the pastor of a popular church. A performer at heart, Bishop would even take exotic animals to the pulpit and at one point was almost mauled by a tiger. Despite the success and the wealth, Bishop's path was in for quite the sharp turn. Not only was his reputation at church tarnished after he was caught having an affair, his painkiller and drinking problem was becoming obvious. And then his son, David, fell into meth and heroin addiction. Wanting to understand the power of these drugs, Bishop decided to use them himself naturally leading him on a path that would find him smuggling drugs for a Mexican cartel a job that would eventually land him in prison Christian Bale certainly isn't the type to half ass a performance and you can only imagine the layers this part could offer him it's certainly a fascinating story can't wait to see what happens here Jake Gyllenhaal has signed up to both star in and produce Oblivion Song a film based on the comic book series of the same name created by writer Robert Perkman known for The Walking Dead and artist Lorenzo De Felici. The Image Comics series is set in an apocalyptic Philadelphia where a decade ago, 300,000 citizens were suddenly lost in the hellscape that is Oblivion. One man, Nathan Cole, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, makes daily trips, risking his life to try and rescue who he can. No director has yet to be announced for the film, which has been eyed as potential franchise starter. Said producer River Marker, who will be producing alongside Hal. When faced with a cataclysmic event that permanently alters our lives, what would we choose to save? Just as Kirkman did with The Walking Dead and Invincible, in Oblivion song he's created the potential for a franchise that is profoundly entertaining and the perfect opportunity to explore big questions we're reckoning with globally. Stay tuned as this one comes together. We also had a review go up from Glenn, and this was for Sweet Girl, the new Netflix film starring Jason Momoa and Isabella Merced. While Jason Momoa is awesome and he's got that screen presence, even he couldn't save this film. One and a half stars out of five writing in his review, the potential and promise as well as the intention of the artist can be saving grace. But Sweet Girl seems to be an ill-conceived premise from the outset, it isn't clever It isn't interesting, the final act is to put it simply, downright stupid and treats the audience like idiots. Furthermore, there are no standout performances and for a film that cements its premise on illness, loss and grief, it completely fails to connect on any emotional level one and a half stars go to screen realm check out that complete review also make sure you're checking out screen realm on youtube as well we've got video reviews going up and glenn delivered the audio review for this one so you can see that as well speaking of youtube yours truly has been putting out a few more hosted videos and the latest where i talk about highest paid actors of 2021 and well ever is up there right now. So if you can put up with this mug, it may be a interesting watch or something to kill some time with. That about does it for me, guys. As always, we have the latest streaming schedules for September. Binge, Netflix, Stan, Amazon Prime, Shutter. It's all up there on the website. Go to ScreenRum.com. Thanks so much for having me. Till next week, I'm out of here. How are you?
1: You got one thing
4: just a little ditty called How Are You Getting Home, um, which is kind of appropriate considering the movie that Sam just recommended, but um, it's by Sparks and it's from a soundtrack to the movie that is one of the most batshit crazy French films I've seen in a long time called Holy Motors from 2012. Have either of you seen Holy Motors?
0: No.
3: No, I missed it I at myth when it
0: played.
4: Oh, fucking hell. Like imagine Lee as if it was co-directed by David Lynch and Terry Gilliam. Like it's just... Insane. The director, his name is Leo I'm gonna butcher this name, I'll put an accent on it. Leo Carax. (laughs) Correct. It's just Leo
3: Carax, but yeah. Uh
4: (laughs) (laughs) But he's um the guy that just completely normal standing name. (laughs) He just made his English debut with that new movie Annette with um Adam Driver and uh uh, Marion Coutier. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so there we go. That's what that was. <laughs> anyway, before that, also Guillermo with the latest movie news from Screen Realm. Make sure you visit ScreenRealm.com to check out what he does. It's good stuff. How about we listen to my chat with Jean-Pierre Junot? I mentioned earlier, but just to recap, he made Delicatessen, City of Lost Children, very long engagement, Mick Max, and Alien Resurrection, amongst some others. Uh, fair to describe him as an auteur. Uh, those first two movies that he made with Mark Caro were definitely the ones that put him on the map. My first awareness, I just want to share a story. When I first moved to Vancouver, I was 16 years old and I saw his movie in some tiny little movie house in downtown Vancouver and I was so mesmerized that on my way home, I um, picked up Delicatessen from the video store, just went home and watched it straight away and just fell in love with this guy as a filmmaker. He's an amazing, amazing filmmaker. But um, Amelie, as Jarrett said, he's released this week onto DVDs, 20 years, which makes me feel old. And... um had this opportunity to chat with him a few weeks ago when he was at the Cannes Film Festival. And I want to preface this conversation um, because not only is the audio a little rough because of the way that his people needed it to be done, there's also a little bit of a lang- language barrier. So I put a cheeky Parisian sound bed under this and it's hilarious in hindsight, but you know, <laughs> a little bit tacky as well.
7: Slash <laughs> offensive.
4: slash <laughs> offensive. Well, it's music from Amelie, for fuck's sake. Um, But this isn't too long, so enjoy it, and uh, we'll catch you in a few minutes. Hello, Jean-Pierre. How are you? Fine, and you? (laughs) I'm very good, thank you. Um, It's great to be chatting with you. Uh, I think that Amelie is one of the most reassuring and life-affirming films that I can think of. Uh, It's scary to think that it's 20 years old, but it does hold up so well. Uh, And personally, I also think that every single one of your... French films holds up perfectly well. Um, they haven't aged a bit, and there is no denying there's a huge adoration for Amelie. Does it surprise
8: you that people are still so much in love with it? Uh, it, if, if it doesn't surprise me, no, no, not really, because you know I live very close to the Café des Deux Moulins, the café of family, and I see every day some people taking some picture of the café. So I am used to it. I avoid to say I am the director because they never believe me when I try that. You know the famous story with Jodie Foster, right? No, you don't know. For a very long engagement, no. we had an appointment with Jodie Foster, and we were waiting a taxi outside, and some young French people arrived to take a picture of the cafe, and we were between you know the cafe and the people, and they didn't know if they recognized us or not. And the young girl, I swear it's, it's true, she asked us to, "Can you move, please, please?" Oh, that's fantastic! Do you think that Amelie is your most personal film? Yeah, absolutely. Because I took some notes during years and years. I have a very good memory for anecdotes, souvenirs, funny stories. Uh, uh, I am a very bad memory for bad things. I, I forget everything. But I am a very I am talented to keep the best of the life. You know, so I had a big box of notes. And it was very difficult to find the the concept of the film. And one day, it was after did with resurrection, coming back from Hollywood. Uh, one day, I, I read one of my notes. It was uh, the, uh, the story of a girl helping other people. And I understood, of course, this is the main story. I, I, at this time, everything was easy. Easy to write, easy to make. Easy, not easy to find the money, but this is another story. Um, well, your film
4: does also paint a stark contrast to the films that you'd made before it uh do you recall what influenced you to make such a drastic sort of tonal change at the time uh, can't you just repeat
2: please
4: see it again that's okay uh so before armelie your films were very dark and suddenly there is a lot of light and a lot of color uh what influenced you to make that change at the time
8: no, no, because before it was with Marcaro, and we Marc is very, uh, how can I say, comment dit, uh, prude, 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 uh, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to open his heart, you know what I mean, so he, he could have been a shame for this kind of movie, it's absolutely not his cup of tea, so uh, it was after The City of Lord Children, I made Alien Resurrection. And coming back to Paris, I wanted to make my own personal movie with my own stories, my own anecdotes. Uh, So it was a decision. But I I started to work on movie before Alien Resurrection. It was on my mind since a long time. If you see my short film, Things I Love, Things I Hate, it's on YouTube. You can see that. It was in 80. 80, probably. No, 89, before Delicatessen. It's, it's the same thing. It's very optimistic, positive, and funny. Excellent. Uh,
4: so in today's world, I think we probably need Amelie more than ever before. Have you ever considered going back and revisiting her, and where do you think that she would be 20 years later?
8: Yeah, uh, so a lot of times they ask me to make a sequel or a TV series, but I, I refused all the time. At the end, I accepted, I accepted a, a, a TV show for Broadway, a, a musical, a musical, and I hate musicals. But after 20 years, I accepted to get some money to help uh, some association you know, for surgery, art operation for kids or something like this. You know? But in fact, it was very bad and it was a kind of disaster. Now it's in Munich, in London, I think, in Japan. So maybe I will save other kids, I hope. No sequel.
4: <laughs> um, I, I definitely think the world needs some Amelie, you know, people like her in the world because um, she is a ray of light where there's not much light at the moment. But um, so did you did you have a lot to do? Uh, were you involved a lot with the uh, the restoration
8: of the film? Oh yeah, I am mean, involved for everything, and uh, yeah, the restoration. But we make a DCP but you know it was pretty good for Amelie because we made the color grading in digital it was one of the very first movie color graded in digital so we had, the, the, the job was pretty easy to make um, it's, it wasn't the case for *Delicatessen* and the city we had much more work but for Amelie it was pretty easy.
4: Right oh well good um, and before I let you go I know you're busy um, I just wanted to take a moment to ask you about your new film, Big Bug. Uh, is there anything that you're able to tell us about that?
8: No, no, it was it, one more time after Delicatessen and Amelie. It's a quirky movie. It's very special. And one more time, had, I had some problems despite the success of Amelie. I had some problems to, to get the money. I spent three years and I couldn't uh, make make the film in France. I, I, it's Unbelievable, but it's the case. And one day Netflix called me to say, do you have something? And I said, yes, but you won't like it because nobody wants to to produce it. And they told me yes in 24 hours, in 24 hours. And I had a big, wow, the total freedom. And uh, now I am in post-production. The film will release at the beginning of the next year. And I think it will be something. (laughs) (laughs)
4: well that is very exciting and um, I can't wait Um, but look I I know you've got to go I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk Uh, I'm a massive fan of yours and your work does mean a lot to me and Amelie is just a beautiful beautiful film so thank you so much I do appreciate it and um, best of luck with the rest of
7: the festival thank you, thank you to you Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Where are you going to say Chad? So, uh, Ben as as the, the 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 crazy journalist that he is was able to discover Kentucky's secret of how we all. Yeah, we didn't he apparently must be because he found out all about our secret meeting with Colonel Sanders that each of us has to have as we reach a certain age. So, should we talk to him uh should we go into our stories about our mustache rides with a uh, colonel sanders i just had uh, mustache rides with his mother Ooh. i i didn't uh i wasn't invited to that i but i don't uh, know that i'd call what he does journalism no. <laughs> i don't know why people let us on shows i don't know why their journalism let's talk about fresh cinema yeah let's talk about it Did you say fresh cinema that's too mm. well french are often and, and by the way I, I, this is one. This is one of those where I'm actually extremely jealous of Glenn because he got one of my favorite directors of all time, Jean Pierre, on his show, and I'm extremely jealous. So I, you ahead. know, I'll go. I'll go ahead and start with my one of my favorite movies of all time is a Jean Pierre film. It's City of Lost Children, a movie that I actually had to find. I saw it on on a on cable one night, and I fell in love with it. And I actually had to struggle to find a copy here in uh, my, in our home state. And now that I have it, I watch it once a year. It is an amazing film from start to finish, artistically beautiful. And it, it's a potent, it tugs at your heart. I've actually, everybody I've introduced it to loves it. I mean, I, it's one of those ones where somebody asks me if I have a recommendation of a film, I will hand them City of Lost Children. And it always comes back. Thank you. And, and it's, it's just a perfect film. It's my favorite of his films as well. It's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. But I want to talk about another movie that he made because, like Chad, he's is my favorite French filmmaker. I don't care about the other people that came forward that we talk about all the time. I mean, I do care about them, but Jean-Pierre, I, I, Amelie is one of the best love stories ever. I don't know that it gets much better than Amelie. What do you guys think? It's it's sweet, but it's not saccharine sweet. It's beautiful. It is enjoyable. And it has nothing but superb performances all the way through it. James? Oh, that's really great that y'all want these sweet uh kind of. Well, the City of Lost Children's not sweet. Well, no, no, but it's thought provoking and it's it's kind of, you know, like Beautiful. Chad said, people tend to really enjoy it. Um, I'm going to go in a different way and look at a film that's been associated with the quote new French extremity movement. And I've mentioned it before, but it's it's a film that once you see it, it sticks with you unless you're an absolute monster. And even then it's going to give you ideas, at least. That would be martyrs. Yeah, martyrs. Martyrs, it's uh game. directed oh, by good. and I'm sure my eastern Kentucky accent's gonna screw this up. Pascal Lozier. Don't worry, Ben can't look things up. He's not a real journalist. Uh, anyway, but it, but he found out about the Colonel Sanders. I just I don't didn't understand know about his mother and mustache rides. I don't want to hear it. But anyway, if you've not seen martyrs, see it. It's literally uh,
5: the ending of that film. If it doesn't stick with you, I don't know what to tell you, but it is about martyrs yeah, it's and, so and the, the, yeah, it is probably it's in the top five darkest
7: films I've ever seen. I could name a couple others, but it's, it's up there. Yeah. All right. This has been bonehead weekly fun size. Ben, the
4: mic is yours, sir. Would you uh, like to respond to those dickheads? I mean, boneheads. It's such
3: a <laughs> such a load. I am an investigative journalist. I can tell, <laughs> like, <laughs> I know how to, I can look things up on the internet. Like, I can tell you some uh, some facts about those guys. Like, I know for a fact that all three of them like to eat food, <laughs> and all of them watch movies, and at least two of them can read, <laughs> and uh, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am excited about the Colonel Sanders mustache rides <laughs> of the of the exam to getting into Kentucky. All the more, yeah, if that doesn't boost tourism, I don't know what would, especially if it's like dead Colonel Sanders. Like you, yes. they, they, his corpse is like. Deep fried. You know, yeah. <laughs> and they just, they wheel it out. And then you, you come on, you have a bit of a ride. <laughs> Nibble on his ear. And then you, yeah.
1: Oh, no. A a
3: taste. <laughs> <laughs> and then move along. And it's just, it's like, it's like, it's like a production line. Like, everyone's kind of bored, but secretly they're <laughs> elated to be, to be writing well, The Mate, Godfather of Chicken.
4: Them's fighting words. I don't know what's gotten into those guys, but, um, of course, knowing damn well we would be talking about Jean-Pierre know films, they naturally went straight for that shit. Like, they went straight for those films, you know, cock-blocked us. But, um... Special thanks to James for bucking the trend and going with Martyrs, you know. Mm. Good on him. How good I actually, Martyrs, though?
3: I, I wonder if the, if they actually listen to the show.
4: Yeah. I, well, um, yeah, who is it? Chad definitely does because he's the one that keeps bringing up references to stuff you've said. Yeah, right.
3: Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I wonder, like, are they just uh, are they just taking the piss out of me because I, I'm here and uh, they can? Or have they actually picked up on something that I've said
4: it all I'm stems sorry. back to that Christmas show, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> we all um, we all zoomed together. There's like nine of us in the, on the show at the same time, and it was a you two fell in love.
3: Yeah, yeah. Joe and Joe and I <laughs> <laughs> fell in love. And James and Chad got a little jealous.
4: Nah. <laughs> but um, but James did mention uh, martyrs, and that made me think of all the brutal French cinema out there, like Hort Tension and Frontiers and *Sheet* and Irreversible. Even Raw, you guys at Monster released Raw Mm. on Blu-ray. I reckon next to sort Mm. of, you know, Japanese horror, the French get it the gnarliest.
0: Mm. Yeah, I agree. Although I haven't actually seen a lot of it. I know of it. Um, And actually Raw is the, I want, I really want to see it so bad that I'm really close to getting (laughs) Stan. Oh, because right. I know it's on Stan. I think so. it's...
3: Is it just on Stan? It might also be on Binge.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I go Stan over Binge.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you sign up for the free trial. Yeah, yeah. That's Watch the, a
0: movie and...
3: No, you get it for... you get it for I think it's the first month or something like that. So oh, is it a like, month? Oh, that's okay. why unlimited Gmail email addresses are, oh, okay. are handy. You just <laughs> keep signing up for that free <laughs> monthly subscription uh, every... every it's, if it's not a month, it's it's a week. But you can um Yeah. Streaming
4: know. service is not a sponsor. Uh, but a no. bit <laughs> of a golf clap to those boneheads. Uh Joe Chad and James come from the Bonehead Weekly Podcast in Kentucky. Naturally, you can find them wherever you get podcasts from. Ben, you and I are up now for this round. Would you like to take the lead?
3: All right. Well, uh <clears throat> following in Sam's footsteps, but <laughs> completely different direction. I I did track down. I, I mentioned to you guys uh off, off mic Uh, during the week that uh, i'd been i pulled out every single dvd vhs and book that i had because i couldn't find i had a copy of this movie called the horde Mm -hmm. which i remember which is a it's a zombie film and i remember watching a bit of it when when it came out when i I think i had imported i was working at dvd collection at the time and i imported it for the shop and i just ended up buying it myself so I apologise to all the customers who missed out on this. <laughs> um, and for the life of me, I couldn't find where the DVD was. So I, I, I I felt like I was like um, uh, Gene Hackman in the conversation. Like I'd pulled down the walls, <laughs> <laughs> just like sitting in a pile of rubble. But I did manage to watch it. And uh, unlike Sam's film, there is there are no layers to the hoard. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but how frustrating is it too that it's like on youtube in full multiple ways but not in french like you got an english dub yeah. and you got some iranian version like this is yeah
3: well i didn't even, i didn't know there was i looked on youtube and i found the french version with no subs i didn't know there was an english dubbed uh yeah, version yeah. of it it's horrible which i mean look to be honest with you the subtitles on the dvd weren't that great so i mean how do you spell <laughs> yeah how
4: hard is it uh, how do the how do the zombies speak? <laughs>
3: I
1: think
3: it was just a slow draw. Uh, but uh, this movie it was made in two thousand nine. It's directed by uh, Yannick Dan who, who uh, or Dahan, who uh, I think his most recent thing he's remade that um, great uh, Euro Euro crime movie Rabid Dogs, which I'm excited to see. And this other guy, Benjamin uh, Ro- Rocher, Rocher, uh, his his uh, follow-up movie to this was a movie called Goal of the Dead, which is sounds amazing. It, the The synopsis for that one you
4: don't you, you don't mean Jail of the Dead?
3: No, no, that's what I thought. I thought maybe, <laughs> I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm, they've used old English. But uh, I read the, the synopsis. Is uh, this travel? This soccer team goes to a <laughs> away match in a small town. And the stadium is deserted and a zombie apocalypse breaks out. So like, how wow. fucking awesome does that? That sounds
0: it? great. It
3: like I really want to see it. But this film The Horde, it's all set in a um, kind of crumbling uh, apartment block, uh, like a commission commission kind of flat. Mm-hmm. And it, it begins with, it, the movie starts with like a funeral for this cop and apparently he's been killed the cops are whether or not the cops are 100% are, are corrupt or not is not really clear there's something kind of fuzzy about it but one of their one of their own has been killed in this kind of um, this group of detectives or de- i think they're drug cops to be honest i'm, I'm it's not real like i said the subtitles are pretty bad so a lot some of the finer points escape me on the on the film but <laughs> there are a bunch of cops and they they know that this gang is holed up in in like one of the top floors of this um, uh, seemingly not, it's not abandoned but they they're definitely advising all the tenants to move out because they're going to demolish it or whatever with um, this apartment block. So they they that night they all kind of don balaclavas and and guns and to go and uh, get their revenge. And of course when they get there, the um, the criminals are just fucking badass like. <laughs> Some of the most badass kind of criminals you ever want to see, and they the cops get their asses handed to them, uh, to the point where I think there's six go in, and by the kind of um, the time they get into the apartment, there's three of them left, and they're all fucked, <laughs> and uh, and then just as they're about to be kind of executed, the the dead the dead cops in the kind of hallway and stuff reanimate. Right. And then, you know, the, they look out the window and there's just hordes of zombies everywhere, seemingly, and the entirety of Paris is on fire and stuff. And it's, and from then on, it's just like, it's a survival thing in the kind of, in the block. Mm-hmm. And it is like, they, they the cops, the, these guys aren't brain surgeons. They, they've obviously never seen a zombie film because they, for the entirety of the film, they do not figure out that if you shoot them in the head, the zombies go down. So the whole movie I didn't all watch of, one of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's
0: something. Hang on, that's something
3: that,
4: that I've always wondered: is that in these movies, in their universe, do they know what zombies are? Do they have zombie films?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. In, in this one, seemingly not, because they oh. they 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 don't really know what the hell is going on, and they don't know what they are. But yeah. and these zombies are different too. Like they actually they carry off their dead, and they put them. They kind of store them mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. either reanimate or eat later kind of thing and then they they run around with severed heads of like other so they're kind of they've got bitter brains the zombies like they've got some kind of you know higher functioning Mm -hmm. uh, skill but the the cops and the criminals are are idiots and so the movie is 90 minutes of them like beating the shit out of these zombies without killing them like the movie is just an excuse for them to (laughs) go to there's just they they stomp them they there's like lots of kind of they stab them stabbing them in the guts there's like these vicious street fights to with these zombies that it has zero effect on (laughs) it's just this amazing stream of violence
4: that one had a really cool poster i remember and i i kind of feel like mad max fury road ripped it off with some of their designs
3: yeah, I mean, the, yeah. I think the, the poster is just a pile of dead people with one cop on the with the, I think the cop and the criminal on the top shooting, in uh, opposite directions. Op- opposite directions, yeah. yeah. And that's the
4: Mad Max Fury Road poster yeah. where there's like a pile of rubble or something, and then they're on top one. Yeah,
3: end. yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And it, like, it, like it, it is a lot of fun, but there is there is zero subtext. There's nothing. There's nothing else going on. There's no, uh, you know, George Romero, <laughs> uh, social you know indictment on commercialism or anything like that yeah Just a bunch of dudes and one woman kicking the shit out of people uh that they're like brutally kicking the shit out of people that all of a sudden they're allowed to because they're now they're undead
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds amazing i've wanted to watch it for a long time but i've never been able to stumble across it but um Adding it to my list, sir.
3: I'll lend you the mm. DVD, because good luck trying to find it anywhere else.
4: <laughs> I want to turn my <laughs> attention to one of like the best thrillers I can recall seeing in a very long time. And on the DVD cover, it, the quotes say, brilliant, frantic, nerve-wracking, and one person questioned, how come Hollywood can't make thrillers as good as this one anymore? So I think that's a really good endorsement. But it's a 2006 mm. film called Tell No One, uh, starring Francois Clouzet and Christian Scott Thomas, directed by a guy called Gloom Kane who went on to direct Little White Lies, which some people might know, as well as an American thriller called Blood Ties with Billy Crudup and Clive Owen. But it's a story about a man named Alex who's a prime suspect in his wife's murder. And um, it's clear from the audience perspective that he's not the guy, like he is innocent. But eight years later, when they you know, were unable to convict him, he, um, he lives as a recluse, but then suddenly two more bodies turn up in the exact same area where his wife's body was found, and so the case is reopened and he becomes the prime suspect again and at the the very same time this happens, he starts receiving emails from his dead wife, and there's this massive element of intrigue going on, very Hitchcockian and it's fantastic stuff, it moves at a real breakneck kind of pace, and Alex sort of races against time to track down this killer to clear his name while he's evading the cops and yeah, just tense, highly stylized, and very snappy, very clever but um, mm. yeah, so when I think about You know, some of the great thrillers I've ever seen, quite often they're foreign. They're they're not always American because, you know, I'm thinking stuff like uh, The Vanishing, like the original one of those, and um, Nightwatch, you know, things like that, The Guilty, and this is one of them. This is a movie that just comes to my mind immediately when I think of great thrillers. So, if you dig good thrillers, check it out. It's... um. SBS on demand, and I think Fetch might have it. So, well, well, worth a look.
3: Have any of you heard of it? I, I definitely heard of it. I remember when it came out. I was working at the DVD store when it at the at the video library when it came out. Um, yeah, that's it.
4: I just held and, up a cover.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you mean they can't see us through the power of brainwaves? Um, but I, 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 in my head, it's been it's been remade. Like Hollywood have remade it. But I can't find any reference to that on uh, on the old yeah, Google. because
4: most of the really good thrillers do get remade, whether it's, you know, Girl with the Dragon <laughs> Tattoo and even the one, the Guilty that I mentioned just earlier, that's been remade. Um, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is in it.
3: Uh, mm. yeah. I realized I just proved Joe's point by not being able to look up whether or not it'd been remade. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's right. Maybe. <laughs> They're 100% correct. <laughs>
4: Should we move along? Yeah. (laughs) Well, Chloe's still away and in her place is a segment that I've grabbed from her own podcast, Movie Night with the Richie Girls, which she records with her mum, Kate. And um, they did a whole episode dedicated to Luke Besson's Fifth Element. So here's a little cheeky snippet of that.
9: Yeah. So uh, 17th episode and we're doing the Fifth Element. Not the sixth. Not the sixth. The the (laughs) fourth. This is probably like the first sci-fi movie that I saw that I absolutely adored apart from Star Wars obviously Mm. this is like a really fun sci-fi movie action movie yeah well I'd sort of felt I mean I remember watching it with you when you were younger Mm. but I hadn't watched it for ages I know. and yeah I do like it it's it's that movie for me that when I'm not feeling like a rom-com and I kind of don't know what I feel like watching But I feel yeah. like watching a movie That I know is going to be good yep. And I want some action and humour This is what I go for Yeah. Well yeah. I walked into your house While you were watching it And I saw that you were watching it with Thomas And I was just like Ooh. I didn't know if it would be okay for his age group. Oh, There's only... Little bits of boobies here and there. <laughs> it's a little, there's a little bit of boobie at the beginning. Yes. But you kind of have to look at it directly to notice it. Oh, he noticed it. Oh, okay. So Don't he you noticed worry. the boobies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's a boob man. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, yes. that's really nice of me yes. to know. Yes. 1997. Wow. For 97, those graphics. Well, eh. I was... No, see, I was taking into account a lot of the background... Yep. Um this time because I knew the year and I was paying particular interest to it. The background graphics are really good. Yes and no. I'll, we'll go into that a little bit later but, okay. but because I've got I've, I've actually got a few little notes on that. Oh, so okay. all right. I'm Um oh, I've I've been doing a little bit of research, don't you worry. I'm, I'm not to worried keep up with at you. all. I'm not worried at all. Um Luke Besson He's a bit of a dirty stopout Yeah Yeah, likes to um, Likes the ladies. Likes the leading he's ladies a, He's a French guy I don't know if that's uh, typecasting and generalising Well, or well or I don't know the zi- men of love Yes, well, anyway If that's what you want Again, we'll go into that a little bit later But, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, Gary Oldman is one of those actors that can literally sink into he's a what's his name? Daniel Day Lewis. He can just sink into anything and you can barely recognize There's it. There's a word him. for it. Chameleon? Yeah, yeah, but no. Chameleon? No. Word. No <laughs> Chloe. <laughs> he's really diverse. He that's the word. That's a good word. He's very diverse. Yeah, he's a diverse chameleon. Diverse <laughs> chameleon. <laughs> Oh, stop. It's too early to be snoring. Sorry, sorry. I just thought it was funny.
4: <laughs> well, I've said it before. I do adore Luke Besson as a director and uh, even more as a producer. And if he's not prolific enough at that, he's a kick-ass writer as well. He wrote the Taxi series in Crimson Rivers 2, Kiss the Dragon, Transporter, District 13, Danny the Dog. So many. And yes, Ben, he even wrote Banditas. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Which makes me want to reevaluate that film. Like I, uh, I dismissed it when it came out. I put it on in the video store just to have something on, but I paid no attention to it. <laughs> now I'm thinking maybe I should. Uh,
4: he's such I, a such a strange director, like or, or creative artist, because I feel like he's got two different kind of sides to him. When he directs, more often than not, they're sort of deeper personal films. Most of the time, that's not all. But then when he produces, it's all of that real highly stylized violence and action and, you know, transporter style stuff. Um, I adore him. I just love everything he does.
3: Yeah, I think he definitely like seems to kind of split off into those, like that Valerian fifth element over the top, which is very, it's very French. Like that's what Lucky Luke mm-hmm. is like. That's what the Asterix movies are like. The um, Even that Lago Winch that I talked about um, a yep. couple of weeks ago. Like that, that's what those kind of, that's their version of know, yeah, movie by committee, or like I feel like the kind of Hollywood, <laughs> you know, Marvel DC type, yep, type movie. And then mm. there's movies like La Femme Nikita and Subway and stuff, which are like you know Tarantino level cool films. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, then he completely switches it up with things like Lady from Shanghai and and um, the lady and yeah, the lady. So that's that's the one I mean, the lady from Shanghai, yep. the lady and um, kind of stuff like that, which are these kind of personal. Um kind of dramas. Mm. Mm. You know.
4: Here's some interesting trivia for you. You know um the movie Columbiana that he wrote and produced? Mm. Uh, that was actually originally written as a direct sequel to Leon, the professional, that he made, you know, back in the nineties. Mm. And it was going to be Natalie Portman's character Matilda. And then like there was some disagreement with the production company and just he just decided it'd be quicker if we just make this as a standalone. But um
6: I oh, would yeah. love that
4: to have been a direct sequel with Natalie Portman. That would have been great. Yeah. Mm. Mm.
0: Well
4: anyway, Sam, it's um it's yours and my turn to recommend now. So would you like to take the lead on this one?
0: Sure. So the next one I was gonna talk about was science fiction uh film, which is also on Netflix called Oxygen. Mm-hmm. And um, it has Melanie Laurent, which Le-ron. is Laurent. Um, Laurent. <laughs> she's from *Inglorious Bastards*, of course. And it's it's like buried with yes. Ryan Reynolds, yep. yeah. Um And even a bit of like luck. It's it's kind of that one set or one enclosure. Mm-hmm film yep. um and she's she basically wakes up in a cryogenic um chamber cube. yeah <laughs> uh pod um and she has she can't remember who she is initially and but it's science fiction so it's it's in the future and you know that just because of the technology and there's this computer system called milo and he is or it's a he because the voice is a guy uh, but Milo is basically there to to help her but also not in the same way because when I first read about this film before I watched it, I thought how can you be trapped somewhere in the future when technology is so good uh, but it does it really well it actually there's a lot of... Uh, barriers that she goes through that she can't actually get through and it takes her time to to figure out who she is and to to figure out where she is and what she's doing and and while the actual ending of the story is a bit uh you can kind of pick it Mm -hmm. a little bit uh the actual film is is really well made and the acting of course is brilliant because that's most of the film is you're watching this one person uh so yeah it's really great and and the the guy who directed he did uh, the hills have eyes um he also did crawl
4: oh alexandra asia alexandra Aja.
0: yes yeah sorry i've got it written down this is his new on one and...
4: of course I've yeah, yeah I, it, it but... just clicked when you said his name because i was yeah I was, I was, and was he did horns it's all starting to come together we've talked about him so much on this show
0: yeah, um I really loved Horns in particular. But yeah, so I I really loved it. It was um it's kind of a chilled movie because obviously it's 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 got bits of action but it's not like action packed. Um but yeah, I really uh. loved it.
4: You should have led with this is Alexandra Aja's new film. Because, Sorry, like, yeah, that would have no, just I... <laughs> changed the dynamic of that conversation.
0: <laughs> I usually lead with the director and the stars, but then I thought, no, I'll just get straight into it.
4: He's such a big deal, yeah. Yeah. It's
0: because
4: cool. they're French. Who knows who
3: the, f- yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of any of them. Well,
4: yeah, I already mentioned, like, his film "Hot Tension earlier. He's a fantastic filmmaker. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. Uh, all right,
4: yeah. so my next one, is- hang on, what? what? No, I was
3: just going to <laughs> no, 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 I was just going to talk about about uh, High Tension, because okay, uh, we put on a screening of it uh, uh, as part of our Friday, Fright night screening, mm-hmm. and the guy who made the DCP for us uh, just forgot the subtitles, <laughs> 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 just me and a bunch of, it was the first time I'd seen the film, and uh, just me and a bunch of people in the cinema watching it in French, and it's uh, so- <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I really need the subtitles.
4: <laughs> no, I was going <laughs> to say it's one that if there's one movie that does, you know, that you're not yeah. going to have subtitles, well, it's probably the better one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, my next one is completely opposite to anything that Alexandra H has ever done. It's a film from 2019 called La Belle Epoque and this is wonderful. This is starring French staple actor Daniel ortel I hope that's how you pronounce his name. He's like one of the biggest French actors in the world. <laughs> it's a It's a weird fantasy drama um, about a lonely 60 year old man whose marriage is falling apart and his wife has fallen in love with another man. So he's complete, he's also completely disillusioned by the state of the world and, and the way things are going. And so he signs up with a company that specializes in recreating time periods. And most clients would sign up to, you know, go back and experience historical moments, you know, in time. But this guy decides that he wants to relive that precise moment that he met his wife and fell in love with her 40 years ago so it's really sweet but as this charade is playing out and you've got all these actors you know filling the roles he finds himself actually falling in love with the woman that played his wife and so then there's this really nice sort of story going on amongst a a bigger story of this company and what it is and the the boss is actually you know um, in love with that actress as well and so then there's this conflict but it is just a beautiful film. Um, I recommend it. I saw it at the French Film Festival, and it is now, I think, available on one of the streaming platforms. I can't remember which one, but um, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and I think La Belle Epoque means good time, the good time. So, that's one I recommend.
3: What year is it from?
4: Two thousand nineteen.
3: Yeah, because it sounds like um, I I I'm pretty sure I did see it on a streaming platform. Like it came up on the 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 list of the, and I in my head thought it was like a. You know, Antonia's line, kind of like a, <laughs> like a '80s Miramax, kind of art house, you know, world, no. star, you know, something that Des Mangan had not introduced on SBS.
4: <laughs> I think it's on on Fetch, to be honest with you. But um, like the tone of it is Armelie meets Total Recall. It's weird.
3: Oh, oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. That's great.
2: Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam Just Seen and Triple M with another Good Movie Monday recommendation. This week we are dipping our toes into the world of French cinema and I am going to attempt a little bit of an accent here so you'll have to forgive me. The film that I am reviewing is A Prophet and that is directed by Jacques Udier. thats I think that's right. I even YouTube'd it to make sure that I didn't embarrass myself. Now what is A Prophet? A Prophet is possibly a blind spot in your cinematic education of prison movies. I love prison stuff. Recently, there was a mini-series called Time with Sean Bean, totally worth your while. This movie reminds me of another, like, low-level classic called Startup, and once again, both of those movies concern a really young guy. Here, it is Malik, played incredibly by Tahar Rahim, an actor that you might know actually from the Mauritanian, and he got a Golden Globe nomination for that recently. But Malik here is a 19-year-old thrust into the world of prison and basically is elevating himself slowly working his way up through these channels and that other film that I highly recommend start up is kind of the same with Jack O'Connell what prison movies do you know well what all movies do is that they're an escape we can be a voyeur we can travel into a world that you know that we never normally would see and prison movies are great in that way because as you know as udia shows here French prison is not a place that you want to be. No prison is a place that you want to be. And, you know, the currencies here are violence, drugs, sexual assault. I mean, the thing is harrowing. This movie moves like lightning and kind of works almost like a fast-paced procedural in showing just, like, you know, how you get institutionalised rapidly in these worlds. It also has a kind of a supernatural tinge in some ways that makes it quite unique in the prison film canon. But I think that, you know, just... If you like prison stuff, and everyone does, I mean, The Shawshank Redemption is widely regarded as everyone's favourite movie, and you've got a bit of a blind spot, check out this French film, A Prophet. It's on SBS On Demand at the moment, and nothing if just for Tahar Rahim's soulful, incredible performance. Yeah, A Prophet. Check it out ASAP.
4: Even though he told you um, for anyone that zoned out, Adam Ross is the chairman of the Australian Film Critics Association, you can find him on Adam's Just Scene. A big thanks to him for another informative recommendation. Ben appears to have lost his shit. <laughs> <laughs> just
3: just <laughs> <laughs> if you zoned out, like it's it's a two-minute thought- segment, and during the outro, <laughs> you're like. Just in case you got bored shitless during that two minutes, I'll tell you who the guy is again.
4: Mate, everybody experiences that bus once on this show and I have to throw them under it. And I've done that enough to you, sir, so it's Adam's Adam's turn. turn. (laughs) But whenever he takes a mic, it also signifies the end of the show and um, we do have a few minutes left though. Are there any other movies that are worth a mention that you guys want to talk about?
3: That's me rustling my list.
4: Of
0: films <laughs> oh,
4: wow. All right. See. So, this is like, um, this is snappy. Any movie you want to talk about, you got to maybe 30 seconds go. I'm just
3: going to, I'm just going to, I'll read my list. I look, I think actually, uh, the one I, one I did watch, I didn't mean to watch again, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I hate it when I accidentally watch movies. No, no, like, <laughs> I mean, because I've seen it before and it wasn't the one I, I didn't want to talk about it on the show. But, mm-hmm. I, it came up on my list and I was like, fuck, I remember it being so good, so I'm just going to watch it again. And that is uh, Priceless, once again with uh, with Audrey Tattoo. And it's a it's a fantastic movie where she's a, um, she's kind of a, a gold digger. And one night she has an affair with uh, the barman at her hotel, but she mistakenly thinks he's like a millionaire. But he's actually the barman, he's, uh, he's manning the bar in the middle of the night. And he's the only one there. And she walks in on him asleep on the couch with a cigar and she just automatically assumes he must be a patron and the barman has disappeared and he goes along with it. And so they sleep together and then she gets busted by her rich fiance, her much older rich fiance and breaks up with her. So she is then on the hunt for a new kind of sugar daddy. But this, the, the barman falls in love with her and kind of, spoils a bunch of her her prospects but then eventually he becomes a gigolo himself he becomes like a kind of a um like he hooks up with this older woman who kind of takes care of his his hotel bill and uh, buys him nice clothes and stuff like that and then she ends up kind of giving him lessons in how to uh get his money's worth get his (laughs) (laughs) and it's just you know and all the while they're kind of falling in love it's just it's a fantastic film it came out on dvd locally um i think it must be i think it's on one of the streaming platforms now uh and i remember being really disappointed in the dvd because the extra features had no subtitles and i was like oh you're kidding me like the (laughs) making of docker i really (laughs) wanted to watch it because i love the film but um yeah i just that's the one i want to mention that i I talk about but
4: well, that was um that was Ben's third recommendation. <laughs>
3: it was it quick? A
4: quick <laughs> Sam? <30 seconds. laughs> Sam, you've got five seconds. Nah, go for it.
0: Um, I watched Burnout, which is again on Netflix. It's an action film, and it was really good. I enjoyed it. It's it's basically about a guy who his his estranged wife or partner, who they have a kid together, gets in trouble with drug people and um and he he helps them to get out of it which he does so by being a drug runner and he has talent in riding motorcycles so the whole thing is basically about him drug running on a motorcycle
3: it sounds like that rock movie you know the one where his son the rock yeah the rock yeah the mm-hmm. one he play i can't remember what it's called but he he's his son gets caught in a like a um, mandatory minimum kind of drug sting. Was that Snitch? Is it Snitch? Oh.
4: No, maybe not. I think maybe. it is,
3: yeah. And the only way that his son can get out of it is if he be- agrees to become a snitch for the FBI. But um, yeah. his uh, son's too kind of piss weak, so The Rock does it. <laughs> and uh, then it becomes this kind of, you know, action. I wonder if it's a remake. Um, maybe.
0: Well, he works for, well... He works for drug people rather than... I don't know why I'm calling them drug people. It sounds weird, but... um... That
3: sounds fair enough to me. (laughs) Are you one of them drug people? Well, yes, I am.
4: Well, I want to just drop two. One, I'm just going to drop the name. People can look it up. We will put it on our letterbox. The Widow of St. Pierre is a great film. That's a French-Canadian film. Uh, Look it up great, but the one I want to sort of share with you now, because I have a little bit of a a, a personal connection with this one, is a film called Rebellion, um, which was directed by Matthew Kasovitz, which he directed Babylon AD and Lahame uh, with Vincent Cassell, and this is the true story of the 1988 coup that took place in uh, New Caledonia, and it was about 30 uh, French police officers who were taken hostage by a group of separatists, and then a hostage negotiator from France is sent to sort of negotiate with their leader and um, they also at the same time had a whole army of French soldiers on standby to intervene if everything sort of went to shit. And I was on a cruise in 1988, and we landed in New Caledonia, and when we got off the ship, we were escorted by military. We had, like, the, the gangplank was lined with people with machine guns. We got put onto, like, an army escort, and we got taken to all the tourist attractions of the island with the French military along for the ride and we didn't know why like they weren't giving us any information we didn't have the internet then so we couldn't just look up what was going on and it it wasn't until i saw this movie rebellion you know which is probably about five years ago that i realized holy fuck that's exactly what was happening when we were there so it was like holy shit I, they could have told I us. i wasn't
3: paying attention to the beginning of your story but that sounds like the weirdest episode of the love boat i've ever heard <laughs> Like, were you 65 in, in 1988? Why the hell were you on a cruise?
4: No, but thanks to dressing up like Gilligan tonight. No, no, you're
3: welcome. <laughs> I think if you if you go back and have a look at uh, the last uh, uh, it, like lockdown all the lockdown videos, you'll be find you'll find I'm wearing exactly the same clothes. <laughs> this is my lockdown onesie. It looks like it looks like there's a polo shirt and a jumper on top of it. And jeans, but it unzips at the back, and it's like one one piece.
4: It's like that scene from Naked Gun when they get undressed. Yeah. And let me tell
3: you, it's gotten very sticky because it hasn't been washed in. What are we now? Week five. You can smell this you show. You can. Smell it. You can. You guys can smell me from where you are.
4: Oh man! Well, that. That's a good way to end the show. <laughs> Put that thing in for a spin cycle, mate. But um, I might have to I'll go, have to go quick, in there
3: with it. <laughs> just
4: doing a quick whip around. Uh, thank you to Jarrett, Guillermo, Adam, Joe, Chad and James. Hiya to Chloe who's still on leave and uh, she'll be back in front of the camera with me and Ben on Wednesday night, however, for an episode of Up Late. Ben, you're going to join us?
3: Yes, I am. <laughs> Which is gonna be a miracle because my bedtime is seven thirty. So it's gonna it's oh, gonna wow. be a robust
4: conversation, <laughs> but you're work. gonna have to wait to find out what it's all about. Uh, much love also to Tia who does wonders for us behind the scenes with our social media. And Samantha, it's always great having you back on the show. Thank you. Thanks for putting up with us. <laughs> of
0: course. Oh, anytime.
4: And Ben, I actually can't I actually can't wait to do it again, mate. It's been fun. It has
3: been fun. And just in case you zoned out during uh, Glenn's thank yous, it's a big thank you to Adam. Ross from Triple M <laughs> Just in case they fell asleep during that name. Just
4: <laughs> So from uh, a Luke Besson film from nineteen eighty five that Ben mentioned earlier, Subway, we're gonna leave you with this bumping song called Guns and People by Eric Serra. Yes. It's um it's a great one. Have a great week, everyone. We'll catch you next the, week.
3: The best song in the world.
1: Penises are uncircumcised. No
3: head. (laughs) It's like a torpedo.